I think it would take us the drive time plus 60 seconds. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Am I allowed to say was that, that out loud? That no. was the name of the, the program. I don't know. Uh, something like that. You just made that up. Yeah. I, no, I, I think it, you don't remember that term? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I just, oh, so I, I just don't yeah, know if I want to say it. I'm sorry. It. That's probably yeah. classified. <laughs> the Black Rifle Podcast starts now. Give me your legitimate feedback on this mustache. It's terrible. Yeah? Yeah. Why? It just makes your face look bad. Okay. <laughs> Half what about your face you? is bad. I, I, I like mustaches. On men. Like, just in general, like when you're walking around yeah. looking at men. As Let me you ask do. you this. What are you yeah. aiming for with it? Mario. Well, originally, so I, I dressed up as Mario for Halloween for the kids. And this is kind of like standard or standard operating procedure in the Hafer house is like, I get my daughters all pumped Ooh, up. Good. They kind of go to market with a plan, which is we're going to do all Mario characters, right? Like four person family. We're doing all Mario characters. You know, mom's going to be peach or whomever. And everybody's going to choose one. This was a plan that was initiated by my six year old. So, I'm I'm on board, man. Like my, my job is to like high five, encourage, and like make sure they're all motivated, not discouraged, right? Like, hell yeah. So I started growing a mustache a couple months ago for that. She well, told you that you were gonna be Mario? Yeah. Based on what? Height or was this weight? Probably both. Proximity yeah. to character. Well, I'm always Mario when we're playing uh Super Mario Kart. Oh okay. so I'm always Mario. She's yeah. always uh Peach. Nara, my oldest one's always yeah. Luigi. My wife doesn't play because she doesn't understand computers or technology. So <laughs> basically, that was a plan from the six-year-old. And I was like, sick. I'm going to grow out this mustache. I'm yeah. going to be like the the coolest Mario ever. I'm the only dude that dressed up. Rowboat, my, my youngest, she, she, she changed costumes like three times. Oh. And then finally just went as an ice cream cone. And she's like, man. I guess she's like, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to yeah. ice cream cone, Dad. I'm like, all right, cool, man. Like, yeah. Once again, my job is to just like encourage and high five, like whatever, dude. The oldest one was like, I'm building my own costume. I'm going to be a bird witch. Don't know what that is. Don't know where she got it. Uh, and then she she said something about being Esme Squalor from um, a series of unfortunate books, a ser- series of unfortunate events, the book series that we yeah. read them. But that's what it was from. But then I'm like, you know, I'm no stranger to the mustache. I've had them before, so I think I'm just going to keep it. Just, like, make it part of my, like, persona. What do you well, think? Well, that's cultural appropriation. What, what about you? You should grow one. I shaved eight months ago. I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> I've told you before. The hair gene went from my dad to my sister. It skipped me. Yeah. Your dad's got gnarly facial hair. He's a hairy guy. Yeah, dude. My dad, he's going to be, we just got him a Santa Claus outfit. He's going to be Santa at the store. That beard, the beard is rad. Yeah. He feel he said, well, I wish you guys would have told me earlier because I could have grown it out even more. I'm like, you shaved several minutes ago. And it's already <laughs> eight inches long. And it's white. Really like, oh. He got kicked out of, I think it was fourth grade. They sent him home and said, you can't come back until you shave. Really? Yeah. I believe that. Yeah. Fourth grade? Oh, dude. That's rad. I think he, I feel like he has That's the kind rad. of beard. He might be like straight razoring it yeah. out of his eyes in the morning. Oh, because yeah, it goes yeah. up so high. That's yeah, like yeah. a Dick Marcinko beard. You remember that guy? Yeah, I've heard like of him the, once or twice. But, <laughs> but, the, but his beard would always go up to his, his eyes. Like his eyes. Like, it was like, yo. Like, yeah, cut, but was cut it some, real? Cut some stuff or in was there? that Steven Seagal type hair? Yeah, a little bit fair. of spray, a little bit of add on. Right. Yeah. What's his. What's his reputation amongst uh, team Marcinko? guys? Yeah, yeah. He has a very good, and 
I'm already over the front of my skis talking about this. I'm now <laughs> well, I'm, I'm repeating what I've heard like third hand. Never okay, met yeah, the guy. Yeah, yeah. Never oh, you've worked, never met him. No, never oh. met the guy. Never worked with him. From what I have been told, the guys who worked with him absolutely loved him. The people that he worked for fucking hated him. Oh, he sounds like a great guy. Probably a mark of a great officer. Yeah, yeah. I we we talked about this earlier. It's like if you're a leadership challenge, sounds like we might get along. Yeah. Uh, he he painted outside of the lines for yeah. sure. He started the whole blue. What was what was it? Blue cell or red cell? Red, red cell. cell. It was originally yeah yeah where yeah. he's testing uh, bases and installations for counterterrorism stuff. Yeah, that's so. I remember reading that. I still have the book from when I was a kid. Yeah, I read like that how book in high school. Cool that was man. Yeah, where it was like, dude, this is a job. Like you could test and assess security, and then you know SF had that for mm-hmm. a period of time, and. I, I remember hearing the stories about them doing like smuggling guns through TSA and better question is why stuff. isn't anybody doing that now? I, I still feel like it'd be a valid. They they are they just they <clears throat> they organized it under, um, what is it? Is it OSI? Is that what it is? The, the and when I like yeah. I, I'm gonna yeah, so there is an organization out there. That yeah, is, yeah, like, but it, it falls under military police. Yeah, in the in are the they Army. active? I'm assuming. How long would it take for you to break into the Air Force Base down the road? Oh, I mean, am I? Do I care? Like, are you saying like, like? I mean, I, I, I don't know. Maybe. I think it would take us the drive time plus sixty seconds. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> am I allowed to say that, that out loud? That was no. the name of the, the program. I don't know. Uh, something like that. You just made that up. Yeah. I, no, I, I think it, you don't remember that term. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I just, oh, so I, I just don't I, know if I want to say I'm sorry. It. That's probably yeah. classified. <laughs> well, anyways, that, that program was the assessment of like teams getting designated to go test. This is, oh, fuck, this, I this feel is like 20, 20 years ago. Years I feel ago. like it's not happening in the modern era. And I feel like yeah. there's still an absolute need for base security assessment, penetration, after action reports. Oh, like it's all weak. That. You, you know it's weak. Yeah. Like the base security is like. No, I'm not joking. Good. You would take us drive time plus 60 seconds yeah. to get on that Air Force base. Oh, easily. Easily. Well, I mean, Mike still has a cat card, so I mean, we just like drive on. So it'd just be drive time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just drive time. Right. It's yeah. a, it is a, I mean, let's be honest though, like inst- military installations don't have a lot besides the PX and commissary and the class six. There are installations. What's the class six? It's all booze. Booze. Like literally they have an entire establishment you of, you guys, you guys put your booze in the, what they call it, Navy. NEX, Navy Exchange. Yeah, and yeah, the yeah. N-E-X. Annex. What is no, it? No, N-E-X. Why are you adding to what I just said? I just made it up. I don't know. Yeah. I'm drunk right now. <laughs> yeah. All that Jack Daniels in this coffee. <laughs> yeah. That's good. So you just got back from L.A.? Yeah, I went to Skid Row to do I, some... Is that a thing? Is, yeah. that, is that like a real place that they call yeah, it? An Skid area. Row? Yeah. It's in I Central. thought that was just a band. Like it's a in really Central bad LA. 80s band. It, that, so Skid Row is a... It, I thought it, for a minute, I thought it was a city. But it's in central Los Angeles, which is the, central is the name of the town. And the LAPD Central Division is in the middle of Skid Row. Like I opened the back door coming out of the LAPD's office, and three feet next to the door was a crackhead smoking fentanyl on the ground. And everybody who I was with was like, that's an everyday occurrence. I'm like, she has Narcan sitting next to her. She's smoking crack with fentanyl. You can't do anything about that. They're like, you can't do anything. What? I'm like, what? <clears throat> the the dude we interviewed, we were talking to him, and, he, and this guy was completely hallucinating and crazy. Right. Could not say a coherent sentence. He was 
quoting Matthew 36 and talking about like how this is heaven and hell, like straight up just tripping. I was trying to get a cognitive kind of response from anybody on Skid Row, got nothing. But the guy next to him who's sitting on the ground is his ass jeans are ripped. The ass part of his jeans is ripped out. Like a like it doesn't exist. Like his ass, his asshole, his testicles are completely out. And I'm like, well, the dude's obviously missing clothes. It's yeah. a problem. That was on purpose. Because he's he is the girl the girlfriend of the guy, which is what they commonly see for easy access. And while we were sitting there, he was tripping. He had just smoked crack. Like his right. pipe was in his hand. The guy I was talking to who was interview I was interviewing had a razor blade in one hand holding it and a crack pipe in the other hand and was talking to me about God. And the guy on the ground, I saw him out of the corner of my eye because I'm trying to keep an eye on both of them so I don't get shanked and killed. Yeah. The guy on the ground starts yelling at people driving by and then he shits on the con he shorts on the concrete. Uh -huh. He pukes three carrots onto the concrete and then like falls over and picks them up and puts them in his cup of noodles because he just crushed a cup of noodles. Right. And then shakes it off in about 10 minute time and then gets back up and then walks away to go smoke some more crack. And that's like the entire place. 80,000 homeless people, 10,000 of them in Skid Row alone. It's, it's a living nightmare. Oh, Feces, shit, needles, all the things that you see, yeah. you hear about, it's like progressively getting worse. Well, oh God, it's so gross, man. So how long were you down there? Um, a total of two days we spent on the ground. We went with Jack Osborne. We did a uh, drive around. He showed me kind of the L.A. he grew up in as a kid and how mm -hmm. it's changed. I did Brian Cowan's uh, podcast. We did Fighter and the Kid? No, I did his personal one that's on his mug club. Oh, yeah, yeah. With yeah, Connor. Yeah, yeah. And then I did um, a ride along with the LAPD. Mm -hmm. And that was the shocking component of it. Those guys are just, they, you know, they did, the mayor that got elected in, Defunded LAPD by 186 million dollars. That's it. Well, yeah, that's just a quick 186. Just 186. Yeah, no big deal. Gone. Was it? Was that intentional? Oh yeah. She said we're defunding, and she ran on that campaign, which is why she won. Oh my gosh. And then they realized because of the uh, spikes in all the crime, oh. this is probably not a good idea. How many of us at this table knew before? they started to defund the police, that that was a bad idea. Doesn't everybody kind of know that? <laughs> I mean, I guess Beyond that's, this that's table? my whole point. Like, this is kind of the whole point in this, is, is when you're talking about these things that are obviously insane, where anybody that's actually gone out, been in a city, like driven around to, I would say, a limited degree, understands that there there's a lot of homelessness in most of these urban areas there's a lot of crime and ultimately the firewall between our nice neighborhoods and a lot of these places and these people you know meandering our our our, our neighborhoods like zombies and breaking into our houses mm -hmm. and guys like you and i because if somebody breaks into my house at midnight there's kind of limited options as to what's going to happen in that yeah, circumstance. Like for sure, in a way they're, they're preventing ultimately like one, they're preventing violence or preventing crime. They're, they're trying to clean up their cities and then you take away their funding. Now they can't train, they can't arm, they can't protect. It's kind of the whole thing, protect and serve. Mm. 
Like it, it just seems that most of us knew this was a bad idea. It's a weird thing. It's a weird thing that we're we're, we're experimenting with these things. We we already know they're bad. It's kind of like touch that stove to see if it's hot. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I'll give it a go. What uh, to try to view it from the other side? What is the expectation for somebody who would vote for defunding the police? What what is the what is the outcome that they think would come from that? A self governing society. They, they, yeah. I don't, I'm trying to understand that's why what is, people I think that's a good idea. Yeah, I think they think cops, any position of power. I, I just heard uh, Elon say this on Rogan's podcast. If if you have somebody, and he was using the San Francisco as an example, but any California uh, city, any major metropolitan area, if you take a position of a far leftist, right, then everything from their position is right, which mm. means it's wrong. Yeah, yeah. So it's not just far right. Since they're so far left, even a moderate position is far right. Mm. So literally, if if you're a far left human being, there's nowhere to move on the table except your position. And if you don't agree with that position, if you don't gr- agree that defunding the police without um, a conversation, like no conversation, that's the standard, then every position, even a moderate one where you say, well, wait a minute, maybe we should reallocate funds, fund the police, but look at the funding and pay attention to where the money's going, right? Let's not militarize sure. uh, all this stuff. So when you go to here's the here's what's crazy is Proposition Forty Seven, which happened in two thousand fourteen. You know, me and me and Annie are both from California. Like, I love that place. Mm-hmm. The state is beautiful. The people overwhelmingly are good people. When you take Proposition Forty Seven, it came from a far left position, which was decriminalizing drugs and petty, we'll call it petty crime, mm. to a lesser charge, a misdemeanor. The problem with that, which, dude, I had a light bulb moment when the police officer that I was with said this. He said, when I was a police officer nearly a decade ago, there was 8,000 homeless in all of LA. Now there's 80,000 in a 10-year span, eight-year span. He said, when you had a drug, somebody with drugs, they took the drugs before fentanyl even existed. Yeah. They, got, they got prosecuted and they got put in jail. Well, what happened when you went to jail? You got rehabilitation, and you also got cold turkey. Like, you you got off the streets, right. you got the help that you needed, and then there was a percentage of those that actually came out and were re- rehabilitated. Now, there's no option for rehabilitation. So now, because a cop sees a guy smoke crack out the back door of LAPD, he won't touch him, because he takes him, he puts him in, he'll get a zero bond, He'll he'll plead lesser to a charge or not even get prosecuted. I mean, the, the cop that I was with got punched in the face. A thousand, uh, there's twelve thousand officers required as a statute in LA. Right, that's twenty four precincts. They have nine thousand. Out of the nine thousand, they have a thousand that have been injured on the job, and a, a low prob a low statistic of those people who assaulted police officers being charged. So you could assault a police officer, which is a used to be a felony. Now they're not even prosecuting it, and now if you're if you're on drugs, the help that you potentially had when you got put in jail right. and rehabilitated doesn't exist. So now the utopia is well with with the idea of um, of uh, free will. You just do you, except now there's no help and there's no chance. We drove by an RV park that had probably a couple million dollars worth of RVs, and I was like, well, what's the pro- what's what is this? Like nobody's there. They started, LA started a program worth millions of dollars. 
And they said, we're going to put homeless people in shelters. We're going to give them homes, RVs, $60,000, $70,000 RVs. Nobody, nobody went in there. And I was like, why would they not go there? I was like, perfect. That's utopia. Because they weren't allowed to do drugs or alcohol. It was, it, it was, right. it was a no-go zone. And they said, no, I'd rather be on the streets. Because when you're high, laying in your own fecal matter, no matter what the circumstances, that environment for you is the best. They just want to keep doing that. And now all these people are just going to die on the streets. And they're committing crimes. Uh, when we were, uh, a couple months ago, a person was burned to death in, on Skid Row. I mean, people die there every single day, and nobody's doing anything about it. Because why would you? Why, if you're a police officer, what's your incentive to arrest anybody when you know you're going to go get a zero bond, they're going to be out? They, they, the, the most disgusting thing I heard, and I can't even say it. I talked about it on my Patreon. I can't even say it out loud because it's, it's so disgusting. But this guy rolled up um, an illegal, and the illegal molested a girl. Mm -hmm. And there was a horrible situation there. He literally arrested him, and he was out the same day on a zero bond for molesting and raping a little girl. And I said, why is that person not deported? Because in a sanctuary state, you're not allowed to hand over illegal people to a federal agency, which would be ICE in this case, to deport them. If ICE knew that that person was a criminal and that they, they did something like molested a person, in a non-sanctuary state, they would immediately be deported. But because it's California... That person had three charges of molestation, still on the streets, and literally they got released the same day. And they're like, dude, this is the most horrible circumstances because of protecting the utopia potential of that place. And it's the zombie apocalypse. It's I'm, completely backwards. I'm not, I'm not seeing a utopia anywhere in that you, story or dude, description. No. It's crazy, man. It's so freaking sad, dude. It's the saddest shit I've ever seen in my life. I uh -huh. like it, The worst place, where's the worst place that you've been deployed to? Muzzle. Yeah, what's, what about you as a country? Deeply remote, like Afghanistan. Yeah, mine was uh, Yemen. Yemen, parts yeah. of Yemen with everybody chewing cotton, and just high and it yeah, was yeah. gross. This place is like a 3X on that. Yeah. And, I could, and I'm like, these are Americans. <clears throat> and the standard protocol is like, people were like, uh, that's what they voted for. They get what they deserve. It's like, dude, come on, man. Yeah. These are like American citizens that are laying in their own fecal matter, and the system has completely failed them. Politicians yeah. have completely failed them. Proposition 47. Yeah, I... Uh, well, I, I'll come, kind of come back because it's like Mosul or, you know, there are places in Afghanistan. I mean, you know, you would, you would be heartbroken every day just driving through different cities. Yeah. I mean, I remember very distinctly, you know, the streets of Kabul are in... Um. Uh, oh God, where where else were we at? I mean, I'm trying to think. There's like Sinjar, Telafar, which is in Iraq, and different places where with the kids, the homeless kids, were everywhere. And they yeah. were filthy. They looked like, you know, 17th century chimney sweeps. They were living on the street. They were begging for money. And then <clears throat> somebody explained the way the way it worked from a logistics perspective, because ultimately there was bigger kids or adults that would send kids out into the streets to beg for money and then they would beg for money and then pull all the money back in and then essentially to you know an, an adult and then they would give them like a piece of bread for their money that they would beg for but you'd have kids and people that were you know injured and people that were born without different limbs and i remember seeing this guy 
who was born without, it wasn't, um, uh, you kind of tell that the, the lower half of his body was deformed. It wasn't blown off. And he was, he had gloves on and he was walking around on the street on his knuckles, basically completely dirty, you know, asking for money, asking for, for food. And that was everywhere. In, <clears throat> one of the things that I've really been thinking about in the context of, of these places that we've been and the things that we've seen is that we get inoculated to the, the, the worst environments, kind of the worst of what humanity has to offer. We just get inoculated with it because you're just driving past this stuff. Like yeah. I remember early on, we used to throw water. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, that went away. Bottles. You remember that? Yeah. And they like that went away. Like, yeah. Beat each other. Well, no, the first, I remember the first time I saw it was like, I threw some water out to some kids and it was whack, whack. The kids just started beating, beating the shit yeah. out of each other for those water bottles. Like, okay, won't do that again. Lesson learned. And then you can't, you can't do anything. There's no direct benefit because there's so much. It's like shoveling the tide. It's not going to work. Mm. There's just so much you can't, you, you can't do. And you see this happening. I mean, I see it here in Salt Lake. My buddy Tom from Alpha Munitions... He calls it the homeless industrial complex. So there's an entire economic incentive that's subsidized by nonprofits, cities, states, and the federal system that essentially props up these organizations to solve homelessness. Mm, yeah. Well, what they're doing is they're basically transferring wealth from the people that are donating the money and or taxpayer dollars into a system that is flawed and failed to mm. people that are supposed to be organized against solving the problem, but all it's doing is accelerating mm -hmm. the problem. Mm -hmm. So they're spending more money than they ever have, and they have more homeless. Well, you can draw a line, kind of a direct relationship between the money that we're spending in our, in our country against fighting homelessness and the amount of homelessness. It mm -hmm. tracks almost identical. The other thing that I was thinking about was like, have you guys watched any of these documentaries on uh, Big Pharma? In like, their just watch the painkiller one. Oh, Netflix? Yeah. Yeah, Peter man. Peter Berg's latest thing. Is it good? It's good. I mean, define good. Yeah. yeah. It talks about... Shocking. <clears throat> I mean, good as far as pulling the curtain back. Like, I'll ask you a question since you haven't seen it. What do you think the FDA approval process is for bringing OxyContin to market? How many people do you think were involved with that? I mean, I would assume it would be a lot of people. One. Oh. Who resisted it? <clears throat> for the longest time. One person that's just signed off on it. And One they... person wow. signed off on OxyContin, but he wouldn't. Then he went and spent three days with Purdue Pharma in a hotel room, and oh, nobody man. knows what happened in that hotel no. room. I just, <clears throat> for change agents, I just did uh, an episode yesterday with Peter Berg. Oh, you did? Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Oh, that's cool. Um, I've actually known him for a while. I shot him in the head with a paintball. Uh, at one of his birthday parties. Oh, Excellent. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I asked him, I was like, so what do you think happened in that room? He goes, oh, there was definitely midgets and dolphins and all sorts of <laughs> wild <laughs> Dude, shit. It had to have been, right? Because the guy came out of it, and for the first time ever in the history of a drug like that coming to market, the verbiage used was, it is not believed that this substance or pill or whatever exact word it was causes more addiction than any other substance that is like it. For the first time ever, they phrased it like that. Rubber stamped it, got its approval. He stayed at the FDA for one more year. 
And then who do you think hired him? Jesus. Purdue, Purdue. Oh, my God. One person. Mm-hmm. One fucking person. Is that how it works? Like one person? That's how it worked. And, then, and, I, and yeah. I, asked the same, I asked him the same question. Has the process in this changed in any way? And he wasn't sure. But that's how it was when the Sackler family, who they estimate now has a net worth of somewhere between 23 to $30 billion, Oh, my God. Purdue agreed to pay an $8 billion fine, but it's over a course of decades. So what they'll do is they'll use the interest off of the money that they hold to pay it so it won't actually impact their family's net worth. Wow. However, the Supreme Court just put their bankruptcy filing on hold and said, you know what? No, we're not going to let you hide behind Chapter 11. So there is a chance. They could get hit financially. They could get hit financially and, in fact, serve prison time. Whoa. So I was thinking about that. So I've watched a few of these now where if we track homelessness in the cities around the United States and then we track the opioid crisis in America, mm. they're also in tandem. So that checks out. I, I, I truly believe, and this is a hypothesis, but I think the accelerant from drug addiction in America and homelessness was facilitated by big pharma. That's my hypothesis. Hmm. Because before, hmm. these were really restricted drugs. You couldn't just go get them on, like from, from your pharmacy. You couldn't get a prescription for them. Hmm. Well, you could. I, I don't want to say to the ease in which they were available, to the method in which they were pushing these drugs, marketing them, hmm. getting them into the hands of the civilian population, you can see... There's there's a direct chart that's homelessness, drug addiction, and then opioid addiction. And what that does, I mean, I think it's just kind of a theory, which is once you create a, a large population of addicts specifically related to a drug, mm-hmm. you're also going to attract more addicts and you're going to facilitate the black market need for that drug and an increase, which would be fentanyl to feed the need and also escalate the high. Mm. So, I, I mean, I don't think I've seen or heard this case, like this case position, and obviously you guys know I'm not an attorney, I just like to play one, but I, I think that there's more here. I think that you could get your picks and shovels out and quite literally start pulling apart homelessness, the opioid crisis, Oxy, fentanyl, and like pull the whole string apart and say, you guys might be responsible for what's happening or be the catalyst to what's happening in a lot of our cities. That could be complete asinine shit. No, the, yeah, the it non- would blow your mind. The, yeah. It's scary. Like the nonprofit thing I saw on the ground there. I try to talk to people from nonprofits. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like went up to a tent and I was like, hey, you know, I'm just trying to see how you guys are helping the community. And the dude was like, I ain't talking to you. I'm like, okay, okay. cool. Can, can I talk to somebody about like what you guys are doing? And I'm just looking to like tell the story of like how you're helping and shaping the community. Like we don't talk to anybody, but you could talk to him if anybody's gonna give permission. It's him. I said, "Oh, can I can I talk to you?" But he's like, "We don't do interviews." So I was like, "Oh, cool. Okay, so what's the deal?" We walked away, and one of the LAPD officers that I was with, he's like, "They won't talk to anybody. It's because the whole thing is corrupt. The whole mm, system is corrupt. Yeah, yeah. That organization gets millions of dollars. They millions. hire people that are on the streets." And those people are getting paid a couple bucks, and then they go in and they check the block, and then they say we're doing good. They take pictures and they do their thing, and they were set up with like a couple water bottles. Uh, they had a box of clean syringes, 
and they're literally facilitating the use of drug drugs on the street under the auspice of we're preventing cross contamination. Mm-hmm. That that cop said those needles. He had a dude walk up to him, shoot heroin, and the guy said, "Don't be greedy." And so he extracted blood out of his arm from the heroin that he just injected himself, pulled a little bit of blood, gave it to the guy, and the other guy stuck it in his arm with the blood and put it to himself because there was traces of heroin left in it, and he couldn't do anything about it. So it's not it's not about like the nonprofit is is a scam. I haven't seen. I think I talked to three nonprofits that were there, and all of them, like I talked to one gal. She was walking and she seemed semi coherent. And I said, Hey, can I talk to you about what's going on? She said, That's fine. I said, So, um, what's going on? She said, It's corrupt. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, we haven't said anything, but what, what do you mean, what's corrupt? She goes, Well, I just left a place and the, the gal who's supporting the homeless shelter that this is, and it's a hotel that they bought out, they have real estate agents designated from California, real estate agents who are just specifically getting paid to buy real estate for this homeless problem, for housing them. And one of the ladies was in charge. She's prostituting herself to people because she's just, they just picked a random person off the street who's a drug addict. Like, you're in charge. She said that they brought in a shipment of toothpaste and toothbrushes that were in packages. She said, I I ain't going to lie to you. I stole a thousand of those and we're selling them. To, to everybody on the street just to get paid because the whole system's corrupt. I don't know what to do, but it's like, that's just what we do. If you're homeless there and you have a mental health issue, the LAPD officer said you get paid $2,000 a month by the state. You get a paycheck. You show up in a line. All you got to do is prove that you're mentally unstable, which is not hard to prove. Um, you're addicted to drugs, and you get $2,000 a month. So they're literally paying them to keep their habit on the street, which is obviously progressively in the numbers, 80,000 plus people. Uh, he said that statistic is way wrong because they're saying 80,000 are homeless. There are hundreds of thousands, he said, across across uh, LA that are homeless. They're just, they might be in a building for a period of time, they come out, they get their drug and their habit, and they go back into the uh, building. But that doesn't mean they're not homeless. Homelessness is not the issue. It's drug addiction on the street. And everything that I saw was like the state of California politically is facilitating to keep them on the streets, keep them poor, keep them addicted. And you're like, why? Why the hell would they do that? I mean, I think my baseline theory is that like, I mean, it's numbers, right? It's like even if uh, 30% of those people vote, like 10%. Yeah. Like, so if you take... A population that was eight thousand, you grow it to eighty thousand, and let's say ten percent of those people vote. That's ten percent of the vote. Like, in a lot of these elections, I mean, ten percent. They decides. voted one hundred twelve percent in California. The cop told me one hundred twelve percent. Said one hundred twelve percent. I was huh. like, how the hell does that happen? He goes, well, people who get ballots who are dead. Yeah, yeah. People who get ballots that are not from there. Yeah, it's an absentee right. ballot. That was one hundred twelve percent. Wow. He told. I should. I don't even know. I should say this. He. he Everything I, I I try to protect his identity, which sure. I, I am going to go to my way to do. He told me they came up on a uh, during the election for Los Angeles for the mayor. They had they literally identified that there were people pulling ballots out of a pile. The cops were called on those people. He showed up as the first responding officer, as a pretty senior officer. He told his sergeant. His sergeant showed up, and they were harvesting ballots. And he said, "What are we going to do about that?" And he was like conflicted 
um, morality wise, like, hey, we got to ethically, this is wrong. And the sergeant told him to stand down. He said, we can't do anything about it. He's like, trust me, don't get involved in this. We just can't do anything. Mm-hmm. And the night before that mayor got elected, the 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 guy who was going against her um, was up 360,000 votes. The following morning, she won. And she was the one that ran on the defund the police campaign. Right. Um, he said his votes weren't counted. He's seen the fraud take place with his own eyes. But if you mention that, even yeah. in this podcast, unfortunately on YouTube, it's like everybody gets up in arms like, no, no, that didn't happen. You're a conspiracy theorist. It's like, he lit- I'm just regurgitating what he literally and factually went through and saw in the corruption of that, of, of that state and the election process. And now you're like, the whole system's rigged. Mm-hmm. You can't win. If you're a Republican conservative standing for values, I've never met... I, I, I train in California. I started Philcraft in California. I was born in California. I've never even met a liberal person from California. Even if I did meet a liberal person, they have conservative principles sure. and values. I don't even know where the shit comes from. That is interesting because I I don't know anybody either. I've never met a no. dude. I've maybe I don't run in those circles, but I, I've never. Of met. course we don't. Like we don't run in those circles, but I mean, even Silicon Valley guys that I've met, yeah, yeah. they're completely closet conservatives. Yeah, which is I don't understand it, man. Gavin Newsom, like really, you're gonna vote for that dude? Larry Elder wasn't the best option, but he's a black conservative. Fits all the metrics of like that movement, and they canceled him. And he didn't even come close. No, it's fucking insane, dude. <clears throat> I think it's. It, 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 I was. I was reading something the other day about how there are multiple choices based on, we'll call it international political ideology, and we'll call it, you know, the liberal. Oh fuck! Fuck! You um, need to water that down. Liberalism versus like communism. Like we'll just say like. Democrat or Democratic Republic versus communism for a long time it was like you know we were constantly engaged in pushing back against the political ideology of communism if you go back even further there are multiple right you had fascism you had communism you had Democratic Republic you had all the isms so if you go into like the 40s we eliminated that fascist states we essentially made two different political ideologies internationally, and then we went to war through proxies and through the Cold War in order to eliminate communism. Well, from an ideological perspective, there's a lot of people that felt, and, and they do, they live in their intellectual ivory towers, they, they've been isolated, and they essentially felt like they won. And now what's happening is you have this entire movement around, like, this is not working, the way you guys have laid this out, and ultimately what you're doing is you're involving socialism within the Democratic Republic, so you're infusing this, and you're changing the way that the, the fiber of our political ideology to a point where we don't recognize it. And we're just like, this this isn't working for us. We're, we're not recognizing this. You, like Our country was supposed to be getting better. We've Outside of the global war on terror, we haven't had an international co- conflict for our sovereignty, since you know 1945 so this myth that they sold us that our our country was going to continue to evolve that you know this political ideology was going to ultimately prevail and then now we're seeing this infusion 
of a completely different political ideology that we don't recognize. We're saying, good gosh, like, or good God. Well, I sound like I was like, you went to the Mormon church just then, but, um, gee golly, uh, gee golly guys. <laughs> oh my goodness. Goodness, fellas. <laughs> um, we don't recognize it. We're like, and two, this isn't what we signed up for. We didn't sign up for this. Like, like it, it you know, I mean, ideologically perspective. When Some people are it. signing up for it, though. We have yeah. elected members of Congress who define themselves as a democratic socialist. What does that mean? Socialism that you vote for? It's just, it's like, socialism light. It's a gateway drug. It's like, it's yeah, like the being, end state is going to end up being socialism. But we, we have people in this country who are voting for that now. Yeah. I, I don't understand it personally. I don't have a solution for it, though, either. I don't, like, no, I don't. I, I think conservatives just in general, I mean, I think, you know, as we look at things, like we're more willing to take responsibility for our actions. Like, like you know, philosophically, like we want to be radically free. Like we want to be as free as possible. And there's, like, like if we just like bifurcate and look at things from like two different sides, we say, I- I'm into freedom. That's what I want. I want as much freedom as you is as I can have, and I'll take on the ownership of that freedom. Like I want less government. I want less taxes. Like I want all of those things. But that's very much a, a a conservative view of politics. But then you have another whole side of, of of the country that's like, I want you guys to be in charge of my things. I want you guys to be in charge of my destiny. I don't want to be radically free. I I want to you know capitulate my liberty to you because you know somehow they think that mid and low level bureaucrats and politicians are more capable of running their lives than they are, which ultimately is weakness. Mm-hmm. Right? At the end of the day, it's like. You think that somebody else, and we see this in, in just gen- general human psychology, people are always looking to offload their responsibility to somebody else. Like They don't want to take accountability. They don't want to take ownership. They want to just say, hey, government, please take care of me. And I, I, I really think like that's, that's kind of the difference between what we're, what we're really talking about, like the root essence of it all is like, there is a portion of our population that doesn't believe in radical freedom. I do. Like, because radical freedom comes with, it, it comes with responsibility, man. It comes like, with radical responsibility, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Do you think what you saw is salvageable? Yeah, like, I, I honestly do. Like, if you see, I, I'm so passionate about kind of like showing that and people were disheartened by it. And I'm like, it's as easy as like taking Proposition Forty Seven and, and shit can it really? Right. I mean, it, it's definitive conceptually, perhaps. Well, it's definitive policy that has lapsed and and broken down the fabric of basic law and order, right? Because a lot of it has to do with law and order, like the zero bond concept, where if if you were a criminal and I arrested you as a police officer, it used to be depending on the crime and severity of it, I would hold you in bond in a bond. And if you couldn't bail bond, then you literally would stay in jail. Sure. And so if you were the worst of the worst, or you just sucked, or you were just poor, you had to stay in a system. And that system, despite like all the errors that the system is, was holding you. So now you have a system that at zero bond, no matter what the crime is, short of killing somebody, and, and even then, it's, it's crazy, the stories I heard, then you get spit out on the streets. So now what's... You literally have no consequence for your action. So you're a criminal. You get released immediately after committing a crime, and you know, I already made the mistake. This is too far too gone, and you continue to create the crime. 
that amplifies crime across every segment of it. Burglary, larceny, rape, the, the list goes on. So I think when you do things like, hey, Proposition 47, bad idea. Zero bond, bad idea. Yes, you create, <laughs> you, you create an issue supply chain-wise, right? Now you're going to have a whole bunch of people in prison. 39 inmates this year alone in Los Angeles County Jail have died because they're living on top of each other because of so many criminals. So when you look at the problems they're having, it, the entire issue is based on supply chain. They're taking a, a very quantified approach to everything. They're going, oh, listen, we don't have enough room in these jails. All right, create a proposition that's going to allow people to be on the streets instead of in jail, and that makes us look good because we're not putting people in jail that smoke marijuana. It's like that was the concept that hasn't translated to what's on the ground. And, and when I see people on the ground, it's like you smoke crack on the streets on a playground. That should be illegal. It actually is. If we just enforce that law on that person who smokes crack, yeah, it's going to be hard. They're probably going to die in jail because they're, they've been on crack for five years. But putting that person in jail is a safer place for the community and also a safer place for them. Very hard and difficult circumstances. But you could see where the policy is affect uh, on the ground execution of enforcing law. And now all the law enforcement officers are like, I'm not even going to do my job. Uh-huh. I don't even want to answer a call. <clears throat> I'm not going to even uh, engage with this person because I don't want to do anything. And then the innocent person dies or the criminal takes advantage. And it's created this whole culture of bureaucracy that's like a really poorly ran business. And so you go out there and everything's inefficient. Everything's bizarro world. And you're like, you just need to burn everything to the ground and start over or just start enforcing at the beginning like the laws. I talked to detectives, a female detective in LAPD's, one of the the, um, departments. I don't want to mention the department. But she was telling me about um, one of the crimes that, that they changed the law on. And it had to do with sexual assault. If, if you penetrate another person's body, sounds crazy, but if you penetrate another person's body and that person did that to you, that used to be sexual assault and used to be a felony, right? Because you're sexually assaulting another person. Now, if you do that based on instances which I, I don't care to describe if you go up to somebody and you penetrate them with your finger it's now no longer a felony so you could be a the pedophile uncle you could be the rapist whatever you penetrate somebody with your finger and that person says this person just penetrated me with your finger that's a misdemeanor so now you think about like loopholes what I've, what I've discovered in the conversations with, with these officers, all these criminals who are career criminals know all the loopholes. Oh, of course. They know them all. So now they know what they can get away with. Mm. And so they'll do the sexual assault. They won't use their penis right. to, to do that because then that's another level. And they could literally do that, and it's fine. They could run around the town molesting people by doing that, and it's a misdemeanor. They'll be out of, they'll be out of jail after they process and a zero bond. And you're like, oh my God. So this is the breakdown in how you get to a zombie apocalypse. This is what the zombie land looks yeah. like. And what I tell people, especially conservatives, because we always think it's a leftist problem. We always think it's a, a, a democratic problem. It's like, dude, that is a couple policies gone bad where it could happen in downtown Provo where Phil Cafe HQ is. Salt Lake City, like driving in here, yeah, the yeah. RCC. <clears throat> yeah. that, that, is, that, is, that, that little tent crowd, has doubled since the last time I've been here. Yep. I think I was here last Monday. 
when when you look at that, it's like, dude, it only takes a couple radical ideas, laws to be passed under your nose when you're not paying attention, and the the saving grace is paying attention. Like nobody wants to pay attention because everybody wants to virtue signal about it. It's like, do you know who your mayor is? Do you know who these superintendents, these uh, radical people in your own backyard are? If you don't, that's what's going to happen. Right. You'll just end up like uh, um, Los Angeles. And Los Angeles has always been bad. I mean, the Skid Row has existed since the 1920s. But it's progressively in a very, which is a great word to use in, in the terminology, progressive, a very short period of time has amplified and dialed itself up. And I'm scared. I'm scared Kalispell. I'm scared Provo. I mean, a BLM protester shot and nearly killed a man at a at a BLM protest right down the road. It's like, why is BLM not outraged at the overwhelming African American population of homeless in downtown Los Angeles that literally are dying by the day and nobody cares? It's like, well, that's not their mission statement. It's like I thought their their lives matter mm-hmm. is the mission statement, but nobody's up in arms about any of it. They don't. They, it's not their problem. They don't pay attention to it. It's sad, man. It's sad. I, I, I'm really scared for this country. Like, I'm really in fear that this country is going to burn to the ground. I mean, there's it, it already is in a lot of ways. But, but I think I think if we even go back to pre-COVID and we say, if this was not a a high speed education and an accelerant to in incompetent bureaucrats making decisions, what is? Because yeah. I mean, we saw it firsthand everywhere. It's like, oh, hey, wear a t-shirt material over your face and that'll protect you no it won't you you're 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 putting up a chain link fence and protecting the bees not to fly in your yard what the fuck are you guys talking about so there isn't even a level that we can come to and say logically this makes sense like we should do this because the other you know other people are going to go no i don't know what you're talking about i'm going to pretend that it doesn't exist i'm going to pretend like everything's fine i think that's part of the the homeless industrial complex lobbying different states, cities to enact policies that ultimately financially benefit them. And that could be a big obstacle to why we're not seeing a drastic change in some of these policies because it's, it's, they're making too much fucking money. Like they're just making too much money. Mm-hmm. I mean, same reason why we didn't see, you know, Oxy get, cut off at the knees really early. These guys were making so much money. Billions of dollars. They could buy anybody they wanted to. So these complexes that we have, to be fair, I'm I'm a capitalist, but there's a certain point where the the, the charter, what is your duty, your responsible, the the ethics involved in being a politician and a leader, like they got to blow these people out. When they're, when they're discovered, like a great the example. Is they're too intrinsically tied yeah. <clears throat> to, to tie it to what you're saying about COVID. And it ties back to the conversation I had with Berg. The strategy around OxyContin and Purdue Pharma and the amount of money that they made. And they spent tens of millions of dollars a year on marketing. They'd go to colleges and they'd buy, uh, they would recruit <clears throat> hot young men and women. And they would go and take doctors to lunch and luncheons and events. And they would do these huge events and everybody would get fucked up and all of this stuff. And it was all they could pay that because they were making so much. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist by any stretch. And I'm sure that the COVID vaccine did some great things and saved some lives. And my thing is make an educated choice, right? If you're in the low risk category, 
make a low-risk category choice. If you're in a high-risk category, make a high-risk category choice. Do whatever the fuck you want to do. But let's look a little bit a layer deeper. Why did the federal government indemnify forever the makers of the vaccine? Right. They, and then Big Pharma was making about $1,000 per minute in the peak of the COVID pandemic through their sales of the vaccine, which government officials had their names on the patent, which were receiving money every year. I think they're tapped out at $150,000 and what they can receive for any one vaccine or their name on any one of these things. And then they le- and you watch the net worth of the people who are in policy positions skyrocketing. Right. What was their net worth before? What is their net worth now once they leave? And then they'll go be a member of a board or what do they get, get a, royalty? Do they get royalties or something? Do I or? don't know if that's the exact term, but there's some it's it's basically some the intellectual in, property. Some incentive to commission. Like Fauci's name is on a couple of these things. Um and it's totally open source. People can go research it on their own. But at what point can we no longer argue that it's for the best interest of the people and it's now in the best interest of big pharma? Because I'm pro capitalism too. Fuck yeah, yeah. make money, but I think the number was 100 billionaires were made in the COVID era in the pharmaceutical industry. Meanwhile, mom and pop stores where I live, Kalispell Main Street, still open, uh, not used businesses right on Main Street going down because they were told to shut down. Yeah, They were required to do things that they didn't want to do. But Walmart, Target, they got to stay open. Home Depot, Lowe's, all of these things. I mean, whose interest are we serving at this point? And I'm not a conspiratorial person, but it goes it goes back to the fucking money. Yeah, it, it's the money. I mean, and to be fair, like like separating money from politics is probably one of the single best things that we could do. I mean, when when a good example of that is like, were you ever in like procurement, purchasing things like that? In the yeah, but yeah, I ran a twelve weight program, so I did all the procurement stuff. It's like, could you take any gifts? I bought a twenty thousand dollar espresso machine. <laughs> could you receive a gift? Yeah, what are you saying you, from a vendor? You, you could. Yeah. You couldn't even take a, a a token of appreciation. I don't even think they could pay for a meal. Nope. No. They could legally yeah, zero. You couldn't. Do you, you couldn't pay for anything. You got to report yeah. it yeah. if you did take it, and then mm. it became like a part of like the treasury yeah. for the, because yeah, they yeah. didn't want money filtering from the taxpayer dollars to whatever program or mm-hmm. bucket it was coming out of going yeah. to a vendor that was trying to sway favor in their direction. Couldn't do it. Illegal. You go to jail. Like, any one of us would have went to Leavenworth for that, right? It's like, that espresso machine is a good thing because there's this thing. But you never went to jail for that, right? (laughs) Yeah. Not yet. Like, it's so funny because what Mike's referencing is, so uh, Tim Kennedy was on Rogan a couple days ago. He's talking about how I purchased a $20,000 espresso machine. He just, he's a master. You know, he was using taxpaying dollars. To, to start his coffee obsession. Was he really? Yeah, so he would buy like a $20,000 espresso machine and you know a $3,000 grinder in some middle of nowhere Ford operating base where he's making coffee and like just being a total nerd. Um, it's all taxpayer money. It's, it's awesome. Like finally something's being used with taxpaying dollars that benefits the soldier, which is rare. Okay. Nobody listens to that though. It's like the nobody, yeah, it was, all, like, it was 15 only like mil. 15, 20 million people. Yeah, yeah. But it's like the story is this, which is 2005, the logistics officer came to me from the base and was like, because they knew I was in a coffee, what kind of machine should we buy? I was the guy that just did the research. I was like signing the checks. I didn't fucking have the ability to do that. I was like 27 years yeah. old. 
So it's like Amazon wasn't even around. So it's it like you couldn't get a deal. Yeah, the, the mythology involved in this. By the way, it's a beautiful espresso machine. It's a Lamarzoko. Was it twenty thousand though? I, I, I'm assuming because that's what a Lamarzoko three group is. Oh wow! And yeah, yeah. I mean, but it was a big base. Like it was a yeah, big base. Need... There's lots of people, man. Like we're, yeah. we're like you, you got to be fired up on coffee every day. It was and great. They were like great. It, during the height of the war. I mean, that base was spending. I don't know, five times that annually on candy. Oh, like yeah. just like Twix or and, booze. Yeah, like booze OGA and candy and, and like protein and shit. Like, dude, come on. Like, yeah. it's like you're working sometimes, you know, like, I don't know, sometimes 20 hours at a shot. Yeah. Like, dude, okay, I'm going to go to the cafe and grab a couple couple shots of espresso. But yeah, that that's the real story. I didn't like pull out the G checkbook and like stroke it. Plus it was like 20 years ago. <laughs> like, yeah. what Which is like fuck? worth 40,000 like, now. Y- so like, yeah. uh, I mean, Aloma's Oko 3 group. I don't know. <laughs> like, you probably get them used now. But. Mm-hmm. I think getting and separating those two things is like very important. Like money and politics. I mean, there, there, there has to be some type of pledge to their constituents. Yeah. I will not profit from this position in any way, shape, or form. There has to be some type of pledge to this because, like, just the fact that there's no insider trading regulations that prevent people from doing any of these things based on, like, having inside track information. So they say, like, I mean, they've said, oh, I can't control my portfolio. Well, how the fuck are you guys making such great decisions? And or maybe you have one investment fund we all have access to so maybe we can invest in the same fund i don't fucking know but the solution definitely isn't like you're going to enter in to government service be a, a servant of the community and then leave wealthier than when you came in like that's a little bit it's not even a little bit it's really strange is it the ig is it the ig's cuz i know the ig looks into political corruption do they oh yeah it's fbi i think i i mean i couldn't when I was in the military in third group, I remember my JAG. I tried to get approval to bounce at a local bar just on the weekends to yeah, make yeah. some extra money, and they disapproved it. They said you can't. It's you. You cannot double dip, and you cannot work on the weekends an extra job. There's it's conflict of interest. Right. I'm like, what interest? I'm like, I'm an SF guy downrange all the time who wants to make extra money, a couple bucks really. Right. Yeah. And they denied it, and it was a big deal. I remember everybody was like up in arms about it, and they're like, "You can't do this. You're causing issues." And I'm like, "Dude, I'm literally going through the process of going to the judge advocate to ask if I could do a part time job because there's guys I know that are doing it in other groups in SWIC, and I, I'm just asking the process." And they're like, "You can't do it. Denied." And the the, the literal second battalion judge advocate literally told me to my face. I think it was a captain. He's like, "You can't do it. Sorry." I'm like, "All right, well." Okay, cool. okay, can't do it. But you could literally make millions of dollars backdoor trading, doing speaking engagements, doing whatever while you're even on the job. Which and there's no accountability. Like we fall under we fell under UCMJ. So you would get double prosecuted for anything, and there was a lot of top-down um consequences for you doing anything stupid. There's no political UCMJ action for any right. politician. Like you can't get fired as a politician for screwing up. No, no, you which is, can't. Which is bizarro world, man. I just don't understand that term limits. I mean, accountability, uh, just a little bit. Right. It doesn't exist. Well, shall we transition to something a little bit more lighthearted? I wanted maybe? to ask you about Israel. That's a yeah. good. 
<clears throat> I was just looking for a rope to hang myself with. No shit. Yeah. Pretty Jesus. depressed right now. Skid rope put me in a fucking <laughs> yeah. tailspin here. It is so like, what? Bro, it's so depressing. I literally, like me, John, and Yoshi, my, my media guys, we went back to the... Rock hard? Yeah, rock hard. Rock First hard. off, the fact that you have an Asian, Asian dude named Yoshi, it's yeah. very racist. His last name is Miyagi. Yeah. No, it's not. Straight yeah, it is. Yoshi Miyagi. Yeah. Straight up. On a driver's license? On a driver's license. Yoshi Miyagi. He's 20 years old, too. Powerful. Japanese. Mike has, has essentially trimmed down his entire team just to people. To minorities. Like, yeah, yeah. He's, Mostly he, Asians. Actually, all he's, Asians. He's racist. Who's your white equity and diverse, diversity officer at your... Uh, Jose. <laughs> <laughs> he's, Jose is the George. Equity and inclusion. Whatever the fuck uh, it's called. Yeah, yeah. So, what about Israel? So, um, and first off, why the fuck would you want to ask me about Israel? Yeah, well, like, no, you had, you had, you had dude, Mike you Baker seen, on the podcast, right? I've like, literally seen you on... I've seen... I, I've been asked a few times, but I've seen you... Like, it came up in my YouTube thing. Like, it, you popped up randomly. I'm like, oh, that's Andy. What is he doing? And you were... I can't remember what it was. Fox News. shit's the answer. Fo Fox shit. News, Newsmax. You know what I like to do? A couple other things. Is I wear T-shirts. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I like yeah, it. Yeah, Fucking... It's great. Doing one with Sorelli, and he's got his little... It wasn't an ascot. It was actually just a collared shirt with, like, a jacket over the top yeah, of it. Yeah, I don't do that either. I'm like, sweatshirt. And yeah. A ball cap. <laughs> great. Um, but I, the, your... I, 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 we, I think we talked about this in our kind of the media things that we're talking about for the future. I, I, I was maybe describing it to somebody else, but I said like I'm like like a different kind of version of you. Like you're very like the strategic. Asian version. Yeah, like I'm like the loud yeah, mouth, like Asian version, talking yeah. shit, and and people come to you, and it's like you're very professional, articulate, very strategic about things. You just you you just hold yourself in a different. Like an officer. He's an officer. Yeah. yeah. I just yeah. try to tell the truth. Yeah. Like he's But I, but you're not swayed by politics of it. Because I noticed like on Newsmax, which is pretty extreme in some ways, um, a lot of ways. Um, you don't subscribe to kind of that. You're more modern. Oh no, they loaded me up completely to try to get me to Did swing. they really? Oh yeah. They were talking about something that AOC had said. And so do you even pay attention to that shit? <clears throat> I refuse to participate in it. And what I so the host loaded it up as, can you believe this radical leftist? A, they said her name. I always fuck her name. Yeah, Ale yeah. Alexandria Alexandria or Cortez. Or Cortez. Sure. What is the O? I don't know. Guys. I don't either. And that's AOC. why I, was, Just, yeah, I yeah, have yeah. to say AOC. I don't want. I don't yeah. want to mess her name AOC. up. It's, it, yeah. And they loaded it up. What are your thoughts about that? And my and I told him what my thoughts were. I said, let's not forget that the First Amendment is one of the most important things we have as a country. And maybe we should let people talk instead of telling them to shut the fuck up. Yeah. So we can listen to what they're saying and then make an educated voting decision off of that. And the host was... <laughs> but it, since Israel is kicked off, I have been asked to be on a variety of national media. And I just, I tell the truth. I think it was on Fox. They had two, and I don't begrudge these two individuals. They had two very senior military officers talking about the military challenges that Israel was going to face. And both of them were saying, oh, you know, Israel is not prepared for this, this, that, or the other. So I opened my segment saying, yeah, I think the only thing reasonable to do is to say that the two people that you just had on talking about this are not correct in what they're saying. I've actually, <laughs> that's literally uh, what I said. Nice. I said, I've, I've hosted these units. Yeah. You know, when I, was at, when I was at the East Coast team, I hosted, I forget the name of the Israeli unit, but they came over twice. Yeah, this is what they practice for. This is what they train That's for. That's their entire life. For somebody to say that they're not prepared to oh, do this, prepared. the senior officer. It's like, listen, guys. Yeah. Maybe it's been a while since the, you had some dust on your boots in a, in a war zone, and that's okay. Yeah. 
but just stay inside your fucking lane and yeah. don't sit there and don't say that this organization is yeah. not prepared to defend itself. Um, I, I'm actually going to start saying no to almost all of those things. I am so tired of the childish, absolutely childish. I forget the last one I was on. They had a, there was a previous Marine that was on. And for some reason they, they started talking about mass shootings and, oh, you know, there's this left-wing rag that's reporting that there's been 500 mass shootings and it's all weaponized because somebody's attacking the Second Amendment and weapons of war. I was a United States Marine and an AR-15 is is not a weapon of war. We never had AR-15s. And in my head, I'm like, hey, you dumb fuck. Because the, the military doesn't use AR-15s. They use M4s. Yeah. Which is a version of an AR-15 with a selectable fire switch. It's going to even have a burst or a full auto. Other than that, they're fucking functionally identical. Yeah. But you're sitting here speaking as a military member, talking to people who don't know any better, portraying yourself as an expert, and what you're saying is wrong. Yeah. And it's like, hey, maybe there have been 500 shootings, and we should talk about that. And the organization reporting those shootings probably didn't write the criteria for what meets a mass shooting. Mm. So let's have a little bit of nuance and talk to people like they're intelligent, not like they're fucking golden retrievers, and actually dig into this a little bit. I, d- I can't... It's, you know, these, you sit on the, in these green rooms for 15 minutes and then you talk for 60 seconds. Right. And they don't tell you what they're going to ask you. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know what they're expecting out of me, but I'm relatively certain that I'm not providing them what it is that they're looking for. Right. And I take immense yeah. pleasure in that. They want the. Because you can just see the host. They're just like, mm. over to you, Mr. Well, Whoever. <clears throat> and they're like, fuck you. Bye bye. I'm just like, I, can I leave now? I have no, no I don't want to participate in that system. It's not. It's just, it's fucking pandering is what it is. And it's sad. It's at the highest levels of traditional media sources and yeah. outlets. I fucking it's hate gross, it. It's gross, right? It's gross. Well, there, there, there's a whole series of talking points that you have to adhere to in order to, it, honestly, it's, it's, it's a purity test. It's like, okay, so if you don't adhere strictly to these specific talking points, you're not going to be pure enough for what we'll say either left or right. It doesn't matter. If, if you know, what, what do they say? Like, you know, People on the fence get skewered or something like that, or you know, you're going to be labeled as this or that, and like, like conservatives are the same way, right? If you're not adhering you're to rhino. a very, yeah. yeah, you're a rhino, whatever it is. It's like, I mean, I've heard it, I've heard it a million times. Like, I'm way more conservative than some people that are considered conservative on different policies, and yeah, I'm a little bit less on some others because, to be fair, it's kind of based on your experience, your intellect. Like, how are you making decisions? I, I've been like I've been reading a lot of philosophy lately, so like I, I, I'm quite literally going to just like bore people to death with it. But like philosophically, like radical freedom, if you're practicing this, like just from you, you, if you're if you're thinking through problems, you're trying to intellectualize those things, and then ultimately communicate your ideas out. You will disagree with a huge percentage of people. You will. That's what we should be all really invested and interested in because the way you're going to like have a true meritocracy, it's like may the best idea win, right? And you throw that idea out. You let the crowd just devour it and tear it apart. And then you come out with a different idea and then you evolve into the next circumstance and you can change your mind. That's the other thing is that there's no ability for some people to take contacts and say, we can evolve and change our mind. We might change our mind in 10 minutes and say, you know what? I've changed my mind. I've changed my mind on that point. I don't need to actually have a strict 
policy idea that I have to follow for the next five decades. Yeah. And if not, then you're going to be burned at the stake. No, we should be like really listening to people and trying to get, like I was having this like super fucking engaging conversation with uh, Eric Weinstein. Like, and it's not a name dropping thing. I was just like, I went down, I had dinner with Brian Relatively Talon. intelligent human being. Mm. Like we had dinner with Brian and Eric and Eric and I stayed up to like, I don't know, one in the morning at Callan's kitchen table. And, you know, if you guys don't know who he is, he's got a PhD in mathematics from Harvard. He's a former professor. He's a, he's a, he's a brilliant human being. Like he's, he's, he's amazing. Like he can talk 10,000 feet above you intellectually at any point in time, but he has the ability to come down to your level, so come down to dumb dumb speak and say, hey, this is kind of the way that you should simplify this. And like, you know, we, we're just like having this open forum conversation around all these different really complex ideas. And it was really refreshing because isn't that nice to have a fucking open dialogue about different ideas and and what and not necessarily we were disagreeing. We weren't disagreeing. We were talking about the Israeli conflict. And one of the guys at the table, who's also, uh, he's, he's, a, he's more liberal than we were, and he was talking about how Israel just needs to go in and, and like carp, just turn the place into a parking lot in Gaza. I was like, you can't do that. Like, logistically, like, geopolitically, like, that's, a, that's an easy button, and it seems like, from a from a, a what I would say is a simplified geopolitical position, yeah. But no, you have to go house to house, tunnel to tunnel. You have to eradicate terrorism where it exists, but you cannot roll up an entire civilian population within this engagement. One, it's unethical because we have the means in order to do this, and unfortunately, it's kind of the way it it needs to be done. It has to be done house to house, block to block, and yep. you got to push all these. Like that's my position on it. Now every one of those guys, like they're they're shitbags. Like every one of them. Like we all agreed on you know uniform. They're not on freedom that. fighters. I thought they were. Yeah, but we were disagreeing. We were agreeing like, hey, this has to be. This is a problem that has to be identified and ultimately eliminated. And like, there's things that we have to do. We were disagreeing on the fact like there are things that we we can and can't do. I'm like guys. Like here, here's the brass hacks of this reality, which I've I've seen firsthand. It's also not that easy. It's not like easy. you can't just snap your fingers and do a ground invasion in an urban area. You have an entire logistic support element that has to be spun up behind that. Mm-hmm. There's really complex planning that goes into this. Like this is a very sophisticated operation that's going to take time. And you and I talked about it the other day on the podcast, but you know, I'm, I was just speaking from like boots on the ground experience and ultimately you know i'm going yeah you, you can't turn it into a parking lot dude it's not the way you, can, you, you can't sorry you just can't do it mm. like plus once you engage with that level of of weapon once you introduce a nuclear weapon into a war the game changes and it escalates to strategic level nuclear power instantly overnight now everybody with a bomb has an interest more importantly, now you've escalated into that level of a conflict overnight. It forever changes the way that you're going to engage with war. It also forever changes who is involved in the war. Like, and they were like, we're beating it around. It was, it was a fantastic conversation. Like, the guy is like amazing. He's like, he, he really got me thinking as to 
you know, one, I've got to spend more time reading. <laughs> just got to spend more time reading. I mean, the guys. You could read every book in the world and still not be as smart as that dude. That but the is, goal would be maybe ten percent, like uh, you know, maybe ten percent. Next level intelligence, right? Yeah, like he's so fun. Like the guy's like incredibly. He's so much fun to spend time with. Callan will shock you too with how well, well read and traveled amazing. he is. He's yeah. super intelligent. Callan yeah. is. I told him he's ten percent less than Theo Vaughn, and he he took that to heart. I was just joking. <laughs> he was very bummed out by that. I think he's the funny. He's one of the funniest human beings, but he's also very intelligent. Yeah, it's crazy. He he unpacked the entire. He woke, lived in woke, Lebanon for woke, five years. Woke movement like, to me. He, he understands. He 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 unpacked the entire thing, like the crazy. non-binary, like. This is where it evolved. This is where it yeah. evolved from. This is a history and the context behind it. And it's like, where's the fucking joke? Yeah. Because I'm trying to find a joke in there. Yeah, he's, he's, he's like, serious. I'm like, Brian, uh, turn, <laughs> turn the comedy back on, man. Like, come on, man. I'm trying I'm trying to have fun here. I'm trying to fucking laugh. I got to piss really bad. Yeah. Go piss. Can I pee? Yeah, go pee, man. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask you before I pee, um, would you, cons- <laughs> would you consider um, starting your own kind no. of- Shut up. What was, would, what was the question? Would you consider doing your own segments of? You're the only guy in our network that doesn't do that. That doesn't talk about uh, the issues, except the, you know, know the national media segments. You do. We do it on a podcast. Yeah. But but you do too. You talk a little about bit shit on your podcast. I think you should both do segments in talking about these issues. I think people would. People need voices they can trust, and there's not many voices that people can trust nowadays. I'm not against it, but I would have to keep it inside of tight brackets of things that I understand. Yeah, counterterrorism, national security. I mean, I can give my people, I can give my opinion to people if they're curious about certain topics. I just, I think it's very important to be clear about when you're talking about from your own personal experience or just an opinion that you may yeah. have based off your experience yeah. in life. But you're good about setting that up, like, hey, I don't have an experience, <laughs> but here's my opinion versus. Yeah, I spent a lot of time doing this, which I think like when it comes to the election, when it comes to politics, national security, foreign policy, people don't have voices of I mean, like you said, those officers in that conversation were totally making shit up for the talking point. They literally weren't speaking from uh experience, or maybe they even were and they just weren't experienced, but there's a different depth of knowledge tactically to strategically, and then also life experience where, you, where I think a lot of people want to hear that. Anyways, I gotta piss. Yeah. I don't know where to begin from from there. I mean, Mike's got to pee, so. Do Asians historically have smaller bladders? I think so. I think it's, I mean, in Mike Mike's case, I definitely think so. Do you see how fast he got out of that room? Yeah, he's he's got to get the fuck out of here, man. Like, he's intense. So you don't like the mustache. That's what you're telling me? You don't like it? It makes your face look terrible. Oh, okay. What no. do you like about it? I don't know. Like, I, I actually don't really like it. You know, I just uh, my wife likes it for some reason. I think she likes to think maybe I'm somebody else. You know, like look. You at should me. dye your hair. Go stark black. Yeah, stark black. Like, yeah. You know, with with the gray coming in on the sides. Oh, dude, grays are just like I'm turning into my dad overnight, except for the beard, which I can't grow. Gosh, that sucks. Like, does it though? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think it'd I be shave cool. less than people. It's, I, it's actually a time saving mechanism. <laughs> That's what I've always told. I've always, <laughs> I've always told people. I'm like, I get more bang for the buck because I'm smaller, so I have more square footage in my house. I've got more room in my truck. You know, I've get like it's it's just like I get more bang for my buck. You know, like yeah. I I don't like I don't need as much. 
You know, it's it's an optimization issue. It's like I don't need as many calories. I don't need much, as much space. Like coach feels like first class to me. You know, it's true. Like there's a lot of cost savings in just being you know five seven 159 pounds this morning. Right? Yeah, it's designed like, to move over uneven terrain. Well, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's like yep. a spider monkey. Going back to what you're saying about detaching financial interest from politics, do you think that's actually even possible? Like, I, I, I understand it and I like the idea from a conceptual perspective, but do you mm-hmm. think it's even possible? I think it is. I mean, I I think it is when there's a will, there's a way. I, I just wonder where where's the tipping point, right? So where's the tipping point for this, which is... What if we're already past it? Yeah. Maybe we're already in it. Like, I mean, some people would say that, which... I mean, I think about the size of our government now. I, I mean, you can only hypothesize and try to put yourself back into the head of the... Founding Fathers, who I think did a fantastic job for a conceptual idea of, of the government, but is the framework, you think it was ever a thought that the government would be like this big? Yeah, the largest employer in the world. Or that people would stay in politics yeah. for this long? <clears throat> I don't think so. I, I, I think it comes back to, if you think about the Soviet Union and Which I don't spend were, a lot of time doing. I do. Like, I, I, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it, but I have in the sense of it, one out of five people in Moscow were employed by the KGB at one point in time. Really? Yeah. It was like an overwhelming, <coughs> like astounding in the sense of like you- Like you overtly employed asset. or on the payroll? No, like on the payroll. Fuck, man. Yeah. So when you think about a- totalitarian regime in the sense of, you know, this is a institution that is built for control and controlling the population, reporting on the population, uh, you know, the size and scale just alone of the government. I mean, it was, it was all government essentially, but I mean, KGB, like it's a huge organization and one out of five, that's, it's an astounding number yeah. of people that were built on a reporting structure just in collecting information on their population. Well, I, I, I mean, when we think about the future of where we live and what we do, like, we don't, we, we don't want to be answering to a police state. Like, we don't want to be, like, the government doesn't need to be 10 miles up our business all the time. Like, Aren't they already, we want to be though? free. Uh, I mean, let's be honest. Like, well, we all understand at a pretty deep level the capability that our government has. Sure. From a collection perspective in a, in a digital and electronic world. And, you know, I don't yeah. think that there is somebody, like, tasked with monitoring. I mean, maybe Mike, because he's a domestic terrorist. Sure. Perhaps <laughs> yeah. you were flirting with that at some point yeah. as well for, with your radical right coffee company. <laughs> yeah. But I don't think there's, a like, an analyst assigned to each one of us. But right. there probably is a data bank somewhere that is hoovering <laughs> up every single piece of electronic data. And... To skirt around the U.S. looking in on its citizens, all they do is pass it off to an ally overseas right. to have them look into it. Yeah, yeah. So aren't we kind of already there? Well, what's the data on cell phone usage in the United States? How many people have a cell phone, Mike, at, at, of it's, age? Every household has one. Yeah. So it, the stat is, I mean, 360 million cell phones. Right. So, but I mean, like, it, uh, you guys probably worked with the NRO the National Reconnaissance Organization, or office. The NRO is the scariest shit I've ever saw. Like, peeking behind that curtain, 
and the ability for us to literally, like beyond the cell phone, signal intelligence is kind of scary as well. But like doing the NRO thing from a collection standpoint, it just blew my mind. And it really made me concerned about everything that we do. And so like you're overt, you know that it's going to happen. So everything you do is kind of, if you don't have anything to worry about, it's on the up and up. I just worry about like guys manipulating data or information. And if they want to, they could literally say, you're a domestic terrorist. Like, yeah, yeah. what do you mean? It's like, well, you you did this terrorist thing. It's like, well, I never did that. It's right. like, yeah, you did. You did that, and you're going to jail. It's like, oh, God. So you have the ability to just manipulate data. I mean, it's not hard. An analyst can manipulate data from his computer mm-hmm. and just say, hey, this guy is that guy because he wrote this email. I never wrote right. that email. You wrote yeah. that email. You wrote you're going that to prison email. for 10 years. Like, oh, interesting. Yeah. So it's scary. It's a, definitely a, a scary state of affairs. Well, I think with AI, too, it it could expedite oh, yeah. false yeah. information. I mean, we're already seeing it from yeah. just a a what we'll call it a general cyber attack perspective, like implementation of AI, and then their ability to run through passwords and you know for hackers to use AI, it, it, it it's not unheard of. If if only it, it it will become a standard operating procedure in the future. So then it's like AI against AI. So your AI has to be more advanced. And then when you think about just AI being able to put out false information. So let's just say it's not not the G. Maybe it's just somebody that doesn't like you. Maybe you say something about, you know, China or North Korea or it's somebody put it on Reddit. Yeah, right. Blows up. Yeah. Yeah. Blows up and then all of a sudden it makes it look like, you know, Mike Glover said this you know, explosive thing. Well, you didn't. How do you prove that you didn't? Backed up with a face swapping yeah. live yeah. image of you in yeah. your voice because of all the recorded information right. that you have put out. I had a I had a private <clears throat> investigator call me and he said I mean, he cold called my number. So he got my number, which right. it's hard to get my number, but not hard for if you if you pay to play or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he gets my number and he says, Is this Mike Lever? I'm like, like, who is this? Yeah. Like, you're calling me. And he's like, I just want to know if this is Mike Lover. He was all serious. He's like, listen, I'm going to hang up on you unless you tell me why you're calling. And he, t- he said, I, I'm a private investigator, and I'm doing an investigation on a woman who was fooled by you and blah, blah, blah. You know? Right, yeah. Standard. And, I, and I said, okay, well, that's not true because I don't talk to anybody outside of my family, and I don't have any social media besides the ones that I literally have advertised, right? right? And he said, impossible, because you've FaceTimed or Skyped this girl. And I said, okay, um, so tell me the, the details of this. So he says, you Skyped her and you talked to her, et cetera. The, he goes back to her to ask a couple questions. And supposedly, because she never knew who I was uh, in real life, I had a British accent. Mm. And I said, oh, obviously, I don't have a British accent. And he's like, oh, my God. He was embarrassed. He kind of embarrassed about it. I'm like, listen, man, if you look up my name right now on any social platform, there's 100 accounts of people faking yeah, me. Yeah. But this happens every week. People, right. girls are getting duped. A girl just last week, probably no, three days ago, just spent $12,000 paying me, who she thought was me, uh, to help me get a t- plane ticket to fly back from Syria because I was on a classified sure. operation. Who the fuck falls for this? Dude, lonely people who yeah. Nigerians exploit because it's like a whole class of human beings that are lonely and they just 
you know, they every every girl that this is, it's the same person. Right. It's the same personality. Yeah. They're they don't have a big social circle. They went through a divorce. They're lonely. Uh, all the things, right? They're certain age bracket. And so I said to him, I said, so tell me, like you said, they we did a Skype. What were the details of that? And he goes, I think literally they used AI because she has a screen capture picture of an image of your face from it, and it's definitely your face. And I, he couldn't send me the, the image. Right, yeah. Um, but it basically, I imagine it was just a piece of software where it had like a picture of me, yeah. and they added my lips. The same person who was fooling this woman, there's a picture I had taken where it was like I was holding, I was holding Pearl, my dog. Yeah. And it was an old selfie from back in the day, like, yeah. this is my dog. They removed Pearl, my dog, and put in a sign and when somebody says, when you're getting being scammed by somebody, the rule is like, you say, oh, well, write this on a sign and show me yeah, that it's right. you. Like, I can't FaceTime you because I'm in Syria, but I'll, I'll show you, like, tell me what to write. Yeah. And it was a picture and it says, like, I love you, right, Joanne, sure. or whatever. And it's holding the sign. That was supposed to be my dog. And I showed him the image of me and the dog. And I'm like, this is how complex this is, ha mm -hmm. this is happening. And imagine if... You know, you, you you take a government agency and you replace that with like somebody going after you. It's not that hard to destroy your life and your career. I mean, Brian Cowan went through this with, I mean, he told yeah. me, he's talked about it publicly, but it's like, if somebody wants to destroy you, um, this MLB player, mm -hmm. who was like a Cy Young, uh, I don't follow MLB, but he was he had a $50 million contract for three years. This girl says, he took advantage of me, he sexually assaulted me, all the things. All of it was false, right. never happened. And the MLB, the Major League Baseball, won't even hire him, even when the, it got thrown out and they determined it was fake. And it was all her using, I mean, fake tools, lies, deception, and he's still prosecuted in a court of public opinion, which thus prosecutes him across the board. It's like that that hard, man. It's scary times. The, this, the, the this is the single most... Like depressing podcast I've ever been a part of. <laughs> you guys want to put it on pause so I can just go walk out yeah. of traffic? I mean, <laughs> fuck. Is there anything positive yeah. to talk about? I mean, God. Yeah. I, I mean, there's lots of things that we could talk about that would be more positive. Like, Mike, you get back from Skid Row and you're just like, fuck it. I'm going to push you guys all off the boat with me. I'm sorry, thing. man. It was depressing. Damn, I, I've had nightmares the last couple of nights. Like, Seriously? It, it, it triggered don't something. Even, don't even start. Like, it, God, it triggered something from war. It really? did. It triggered oh, something course, from yeah. like, yeah. Afghanistan or like being in the slums and seeing like people all fucking Africa. What kind uh, of nightmares do you have? I just why I I I don't think he's white. Right. He wakes up and he's a round eye. Mm. Yeah, I'm like oh, oh my god, shit. Like, oh my god, man. <laughs> white dude with a massive yeah. hammer cut. Oh dude, I, yeah, <laughs> I can't be that guy. I have yeah. to be a minority. My yeah. ATF agent, to, he was. We did a little audit on my books. Are you saying the ATF works for you? Did yeah, you of just course. say that? Yeah, I'm a bootlicker, yeah. man. You didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Um, don't he, skip around the nightmare question. I, I, I didn't have a nightmare. It, it was, I was in a zombie apocalypse and I literally was, I literally was with people that were like on drugs on the ground and everything was infected. It was like a, literally a zombie movie and it was from Skid Row. Huh. Like, dude, there was, there was shit everywhere. I've you, never seen some human, human yeah. feces, needles. If you laid down anywhere, you were getting a disease. It was like, and I'm looking at these Americans and having flashbacks to Africa because Niger, Africa, besides Yemen, is the, I mean, it is the most um, heartbreaking place on the planet Earth. Mm -hmm. And it, they don't have any cash crops. There's no economy. And they're supported by the United 
nations of the world to to lift them up. Yeah. And there was children dying on the side of the roads, and it was worse than that. I just hate I hate to depress people, but don't ever go to Skid Row if you want to have some. I don't think you're going to have a lot of people that are going to vacation to Skid Row. I mean, you're not going to book a ticket to LA, so you can be like, well, actually, that might be a means in order for them to make money. I they get like well, they get like. What if we start, forced everybody to go look at the yeah. outcome of policies like that? It's, Dude, it's easy to. I, I can understand how people can vote for a policy that they don't directly see the impact from. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. if you don't go to Skid Row, which most people are not going to intentionally go to, and you manage what you ingest from a media perspective, you're never going to see it. Never. From never. an academic perspective, I, I mean, I'm not saying I agree with the argument, but I can see where they're coming from. It's not a place of hatred. But no. a lot of academic principles fail in the real world. But maybe they... Maybe they should be forced to go. Yeah, Gavin Newsom would be great to see him <laughs> well, go, to, go there. I, I think that's the thing is like these are these are thought exercises that ultimately should be left in academic institutions before they're ultimately tested in a lab yeah, and a then rolled world. out because that, that's part of the failures. They're they're using part of these policies as a testing ground and then they're scaling them before they're ready to roll out. Like these are failed. So recognizing failure too, which would be like, hey, we're going to come up with minimum success criteria. Have we impacted homelessness in the United States? Have we dropped it? Are we spending less? Have we decreased it? Have we, you know, put a dent in the opioid crisis? Like these are all the things like minimum success criteria. What is it? So if we're going to pay for a policy, shouldn't we say, these are the outcomes we expect. And if we don't reach this, we have to make changes. There, there has to be. It was the same problem that I had with the, 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 the global war on terror. It's like, what, are the, what, what is the success criteria? Is it yeah. stabilization of the region? Is it, you know, what does stabilization look like? What are the goals and objectives associated with this? They didn't fucking have any. Like every two to four years, something else was changing. They're changing shit like their underwear. Like, oh, we're all of a sudden going to, you know, stand up a new, new country and we're going to enact a constitution and we're going to do this, this and that. And then it's like, but what was the original purpose what were we trying to solve? What was a problem? Have we graded ourselves successfully other than a fictional body count? Like how much are we spending in both blood and treasure? Like what are we what are we doing? And these guys can't answer that. Like there's no business in America that could run without goals and objectives and minimum success criteria. There's no business that could run like that. Zero. Mm. Like, oh, we're just gonna do this and then you guys keep writing the checks. Keep sending us your kids and keep fucking paying your taxes because we're going to be in these like endless endeavors of failure because we think they're cool. I mean, that, I mean, at the bottom line, that's basically what it boils down to. We think it's cool. Yeah. And now this is somehow even more depressing than it was 10 minutes ago. Well, let's talk about... <laughs> hey, did you see the... What the, the fuck? The, te the Tesla Model X... Is was bulletproof. The Plaid Model X. Yeah. You're well, talking, no, about, no, you're talking, you're talking about, about the Cybertruck. Oh, yeah, Cybertruck. yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, Jack Osborne has the Plaid uh, Model X. X. Yeah. Bro. Is that the one where the wind, the doors come up? Yeah, they come up. Yeah. Dude, it's the fastest. Like, he went to 0 to 60, and like, it goes 0 to 60 in 2.6, I think, or something like yeah, that. Bro, yeah. it was the fastest shit I've ever been in my life. I could not believe the ludicrous speed of that thing. And it's not the fast. It's not the fastest one. The, yeah, the the, 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 the sedan is right. Yeah, the, the sedan is the fastest one. Yeah, it goes zero sixty in like two five or two. It's something crazy. ridiculous. It's crazy. It's insane. Yeah. You, you, so you guys saw that that um, video of Joe shooting the arrow. Yeah, that, was oh that? My gosh, was man. that the Cybertruck? Like his Cybertruck, or was that just what? Elon that was the one drove they drove. That's they so drove dope. it to yeah. there. To the, they drove I'm, it over I'm there. I'm assuming Elon drove it over there. Yeah. I yeah. want one and of the like, Cybertruck. Yeah, shoot it right now. It's so bad. I just want to test it for like bug out shit. Like, I thought it was super funny though. He's like, 
they're sitting there at the desk or whatever. He's like, hey, let's get up and shoot this fucking thing right now. Hey, he's like, I think I can get in there. And Joe's like, I have a 90 pound bow. Slightly dented it. Like, slightly? Slightly blue there. What the hell was it made of? Metal. Was it steel? Like a steel Uh, hole? He said that uh, shotgun. Tommy gun, which is that a 45? Oh, yeah, it's 45. 45. Yeah. Impervious to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah nine what? mil, 45 shot. It comes gun. out of the, uh, it comes out of that factory. Fat of the factory. It is essential. I mean, my word's not his, impervious to that shit. So I, I went on the website, on Tesla's website, to like, I thought it was available to buy. And you for a hundred dollars, you can get on the list. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. list has been available now. I think for about five years. Yeah, so good long. luck. Yeah, yeah, it's long. What it's are your long. thoughts on the look of that thing? It looks like dog shit. I don't like it. I, I, I would not. I mean, first it, thing you'd have to do is wrap it. Ra- I was going to say, I'd be worried at like it. driving it into like sunset and it fucking reflecting oh, off yeah. of that silver into yeah, your eyeballs. Right. Yeah, black multicam. I would wrap it. <clears throat> black multicam. Yeah. I, oh, hey, I think that would look sexy. Hey, that one. hey. Hang it up. Yeah, hang it up. Hang up the Hang it up. Really? Hang it up there, Sergeant Major. I wrap everything in multicam. You don't like that? Yeah. I I hate to say this. I don't like it. What would you wrap it in? I I do everything matte black. Like, everything's matte black. Matte black or matte green? Yeah. Matte greens. I don't know. I do everything matte black. black. You like it black. I like like, no sugar, no cream. Yeah, it's just everything's, like, I subdue everything. Like, it's just... eh, The concept of the truck seems badass, I just, I don't know. It's like three years late, right? It's like two or three years late. Oh, no. We're well past that point. Really? <laughs> I think so, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember it coming out a long time ago and thinking, oh, I want this. And it never For years, it. it's been the same thing. Years. And, yeah. I, and I don't, uh, you know. They've been getting that bulletproofing right. It, well, it's like, hey, next year production starts. Hey, next year production starts. Hey, next year production starts. I, I believe I they've now said tail end of 24, the first models will actually hit the, oh, hit the streets. That's not good. Because that list, like you said, is like years long. Oh, I'm sure it and is. And so you're not going to. Yeah. Plus, yeah, what do you think the sticker on one of those things would be? I know it's a hundred bucks to put down your. It's got to be a hundred grand. It's got to be a hundred. You think? Easy. Easy. I would think a hundred. Yeah, it's got to be a hundred grand. Financing is good on Tesla, though. Like you yeah. can go on the. I mean, it, it's like buying a Starlink satellite. Like, yeah, the easiest thing I've ever done is buying a Starlink satellite, the RV one. It was like yeah, push same. a button. Yep. Two days later, it's at your door. Yeah. And then I went to cancel it. You push a button, and they said keep it and just throw it in the trash. No, they, they've updated it now. You can just turn the service on and off. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, you probably didn't heard this yet. I'm trying to get uh, Black Rifle into uh, SpaceX kitchens. Oh, yeah. There we go. That's so, what I'm talking about. What I well, what I really want to do, and I don't know if this is possible, but I think Elon can make it happen. You know how they can totally control their rockets? Yeah, and yeah. They land, they them? land on the road. Yeah. I need it to go to like 80,000 feet, right. hover for just a sec, obviously backflips yeah. off, yeah. and then it can go land the rocket. Ooh. Yeah. Is that the record? No. But that's, I don't want to wear a fucking spacesuit. The yeah. Red Bull did, dude did it, right? Yeah, uh, there was a Yeah, balloon. he went to like 160000 I just oh. want to have... So here's what I... Technically, I think this work. I have a pretty dope foldable chair at my house that I take camping. I feel like yeah. this is serious. Like, you could actually <laughs> Yeah, I want to cargo strap it, ratchet yeah, strap yeah, it yeah, down yeah. to the top. I just want the flat top of the rocket. Yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not an aerodynamics expert, but this right. is what I think. Flat top of the rocket, Chair. Chair. Fucking launch that bitch. Give me up to like 14, 15. I'll pass out. You can a, bail at any time. I'll you pass want. out a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. But I'll wake up as the rocket slows down. I just want it to yeah. hover and like maybe tilt to the side so I don't actually jump into the fucking magma rocket. Right. Yeah. Tilt to the side. I jump off and land the rocket. Yeah, you could do that. Bum gunner. He's not going to lose yeah. a rocket. Probably, I don't know what it costs to fill those up. It's probably not that bad. Just to take it to the town it'd pump, probably, you know, and just probably sh- be a couple million bucks. Fifty in fuel. mil. That's like I think dope. it'd probably be a couple million bucks in fuel. But I, I just imagine, but right? I think it'd be dope if SpaceX was serving 
BRC. I mean, obviously we'll put BRCC on the side. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, right. on the rocket. But yeah, Starlink, that shit has been a game changer. Yeah, so yeah. if there's anything- And you can turn it on and off now. It's great internet. Yeah. It's great. Oh, it's, it's great. Like, Have you seen the satellites track across the sky when they launch them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The straight yeah. lines? Dude, it's crazy. I was at uh, Spanish Fork. We have a, a range, uh, Kafaro's range, and we were out there doing a class, and you could see all the stars. It's super dark. There's not a lot of noise pollution. And we saw them lob, and then all of them just, it, you literally looked like you could grab them. They, yep. It was crazy. But it what a crazy time that we live in where it's like Yeah, they're launched. Yeah, they're they're they launching. I was like, what do you mean they launch? They, they some guy was like, Yeah, they launch them from a, a location and then they orbit. I had a uh what? so I when we were in Antarctica for the triple seven, Elon, when he was dating um Amber Heard. She, oh, he dated, he dated her? Amber Heard? Yeah, welcome to 2023. Did you know that? God, do you even I subscribe to BuzzFeed at I just, all? It's I super just, reputable. I just, <laughs> I just know she pooped in her bed and did some. Oh yeah, the Johnny Depp, which is why I'm gonna turn on. Such a good court case. Fascinating trial. Awesome. I just, I was talking yeah. with you about it. It's like yeah. my favorite thing about that trial is that he just doodled the entire time and just fucking. Off. And he'd be, he'd be like showing it to his lawyer. His lawyer be like, oh, that's that's excellent. And they're like <laughs> fucking dissect. Yes, he had a kilo of cocaine. He's just like, hmm, here's a doodle of a fucking yeah. unicorn. Yeah. She wanted to go to Antarctica. So we were there with ALE, the, uh, the McDowell. Yeah, we had yeah. fucking dinner with him. Yeah, so yeah. he's one of the partners in Antarctic Logistics and Exploration, I think it is. He paid to have an entire camp made. So there was where we stayed right. on Union Glacier. And there was people going out to like Mount Vincent. Uh, like Alex uh, Honnold was out there doing some ascents up there. There was a guy out there who took a Starlink satellite to the top of Mount Vincent and they live streamed on New Year's Eve 2022, going into 23. We got there in early January, so he was still there. But there is a camp out there that is like ultra fucking bougie because Elon paid for it all because he was going to take Amber out there. They've never fucking gone. But, so I met, this, uh, his name's Tyler, uh, Tyler Carnavale. Had him on the podcast, and he totally broke down how all that works. They launch him up in a satellite, and it just spits him out the side. And that's why you see him in a line. Is it every night? Huh. Like it's however often they, they launch it up there. But right. the reason they're so compressed is that they've just come out of the deployment device, and then they're, uh, the boosters on each individual one of those satellites pushes them out to where they're going to have their geosynchronous orbit. Right. It's fucking it's wild. Geosynchronized, which means a, a stationary satellite that essentially moves with the Earth as it's rotating. So it moves. It stays in one spot. Yep. Just But you won't understands. have cell phone reception in parts of, like, Salt Lake City, which I'm like... I, I don't even have a cell phone happening? reception in my house. I, I'm like, I don't... I, I, I have to yeah. connect to Wi-Fi. Like, Same. I can't make a phone call. Hey, I'm on Starlink because I could use the, the eye, whatever. Yeah. But I literally, in my bed, don't have reception on my cell phone. Well, you shouldn't be using your phone in bed either way. Really? You don't think no. so? You need to go to sleep. You need to get... Do you not you listen to, to Huberman? Oh, yeah. I, if I you do, you'll never... Yeah. 10 in the morning. Oh, okay. like, pisses me here, off. Here's the, whole thing. here's the whole thing with like, these, I gotta wait these, two like, hours? these like, health, health fucking dudes. Like I, I go down the rabbit hole every now and again on YouTube and all these guys. It's like, I start my day with my this morning ritual and I... You know, I write in my journal, I drink a 10 gallons of water, I put on sea salt in my fucking, up my butt or whatever it is. And, I, and then I spend like an hour in my sauna and I'm like, wait, when the fuck do you work, man? Like, yeah. like this is not yeah. a realistic mechanism for anyone, yeah. anybody to inject into their lives. Like yeah. my entire life, like, or your butt. butt. For clarity, Huberman doesn't advocate any no. of that stuff. He gives you information and I hate that motherfucker because everything I like to do, he recommends against and it's starting to bother me. Really? Yeah, you can't have fun. 
No, no. Don't I, have I, coffee I, in the morning. Go outside and get light early. I'm like, in your God, eyes. dude, I tried. It. I, I tried that. Like, I tried that. Like, I, I tried all this shit, dude. Like, just to see what it is, and from a lab, like, just like, hey, here's my body. Let's figure out how it works, right? Like, I was talking to Aubrey. <clears throat> I don't know, five, six years ago, whenever it was. Aubrey Before he lost his mind. Uh, yes, and we we were having a conversation about you know, good ways to wake up, and he was like, you need to drink you know, whatever, 20, 24 ounces of water, 24, you know, whatever it is. And then yeah. like put some sea salt in it, go out and get sun. And, you know, then you can bring coffee in a couple hours later after you've already worked out and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll try that. I don't give a shit. Like I'll try it out. No difference. Like <laughs> zero difference. <laughs> I, I mean, I can drink coffee before I work out. I can drink coffee yeah. right when I wake up. I can fuck, I can drink coffee anytime I want because I'm a, I'm an adult and it doesn't, impact performance whatsoever like i've charted uh my times on my assault bike for i don't know like five six years and i was like really into this where i was like i'm doing the same thing every day i'm gonna like hit the assault bike i'm gonna hit it hard for x amount of minutes or i'm gonna run or whatever zero impact hmm. it didn't make one difference it's like fasting the single best thing i ever did in my life like that was the one thing that made a really noticeable difference is to minimizing caloric intake, like caloric restriction, uh, fasting until well with that. Like I haven't eaten today; it's four thirty right now. So I won't eat. Until, we had lunch. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, well most, trying most to days, fucking lie to people. Most God, days no. I don't. I don't eat. Like most days I, I don't eat until dinner, and that's like like I'm at 159 pounds all the time. Like I wake up, I work out, I, I drink coffee. I don't drink coffee. There are some mornings when I'm like, I'm not going to drink coffee. I'm going to work out first, and then I'm going to drink coffee. Yeah. Or like, I, there's been a few days, uh, not too many, probably five days in the last two years where I haven't had coffee in the morning, and mostly it's because I'll be in remote wherever and yeah, I've like scheduling. forgotten, you know, like I've just forgotten it. So now I've like packed instant coffee and everything I fucking own, so I never, never run into that circumstance. Again. But if I get up and just work out in the mornings, it doesn't make any difference. It's like fasting, working out in the mornings, getting lots of sleep. Okay, dude. Salt in the butt. Like, huh? Just yeah. Or Himalayan. You can't just use regular big salt. Chunks. Right? How do that you get it up there? Stuff, that element stuff. One awesome. of those, uh, dude, I love those things. What is that called? Firecracker Farms. Firecracker man. Farms. So Jesus. good. I love that stuff I so like much. Coffee. I don't know who turned me on to that. That was you because you did yeah. it on no, your podcast. Uh, oh yeah, you told me about like put it in the coffee. Yeah, you put it in your coffee. This you, stuff you've is had amazing. That stuff too, right? You've never had that. The three of us sat at yeah, your we dinner table and put salt. How many times have you been struck in the head? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I just had neck surgery. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Oh, uh, oh does that, that impact memory? <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna put salt in my butt on the way home. How would you get salt in. in your butt? With that thing, like yeah, a speculum, the, and then the, you do a handstand, and then you just. Exposing your butt to the sun has actually been a game changer for me. If you like open your butthole to the sun and just direct UV yeah. light. I'm sure your neighbors on love the that too. Yeah. It's like your neighbors just love that. Yeah. They'll use it against it's all AI yeah. driven. I never did that. Yeah, you've never done that. There's no pictures of that. I yeah. hope not. I'll deny them all. Fuck, yeah. I hope there's not. I, like I mean I've had wound. I've had a cold plunge like in and around the office or my house. Like it's a horse trough that cost me 150 bucks or yeah, whatever. I put ice in it. And I put ice in it. I've, I just fill it up with cold water, keep it in the shade. And I mean, it's like goes up in the summer. Okay. Buy a few bags of ice, throw it in there. Like it's good. Like I like that morning routine where, you know, 
work out, hit the cold plunge for five or 10 minutes. Like I'm not in there for like 20 minutes because it like just wakes you up. Oh, right? Yeah. I and, like that. You don't, do you have a cold plunge? Yeah. We have one at the training space. Oh, that's right. Right next yeah, to the we, sauna. We just put one in HQ and then we have, I have a sweat tent. What I think the it's fuck cool. is that? It's basically a. It's like a sauna for peasants. Uh, yeah, yeah. Cool. It's it like a trash bag with that, a are you stove talking in it. About <laughs> put it over your head. Yeah. I got like a, a slider uh, underneath it. It's I got a, a sweat tent. It's yeah. like it actually. It's a mobile sauna essentially. Yeah, I've actually. Cool. Heard, I've actually heard. Never used one. I've heard great things. It's about. really easy to use. Is it? You just. It's literally like a hunting tent. Oh, like a blind. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's what it looks like. You though. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, and it's it is mobile. It's easy to set up. I can pop it up. It's cool. Cool. How's the new HQ going? It's going good, man. The, the jiu-jitsu side, um, we have 20 members signed up. We have Victor from mm-hmm. Origin. You guys just came back from the Origin camp. Um, it's good. It's like everything we I, – I have to teach a class in an hour. Oh, cool. Leah's going to come do club. a seminar there next month. Yeah. December. Well, yeah. Yeah. Leah and you – I'm not teaching. I'm not, yeah, a, Leah's I'm not teaching. a coach. Yeah, 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 I'll sit stuff. there and participate, but I'm, yeah. Yeah, I'm not teaching shit. That'd be fun, man. Tim Tim Kennedy's coming out in January. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll that'll decrease your membership, but yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. will lose everybody because they're like, man, this guy. It's gonna hurt everybody. He's like a silverback, yeah. just rolling over everybody, sweaty and hairy. Mario Can we at least here. close this fucker out on a positive note? Yeah, like, yeah. What do we got? Uh, what do we got coming up? We've got lots of shit coming up. Actually, we're going to Moab. We're gonna do that. Oh, oh yeah, that's in like a couple weeks. Like, yeah, that that's like who else going there? The three of us. Yeah, Mike Sorelli. Tim Kennedy. Tim Kennedy. Uh, a guy named Boots. And fuck, am I forgetting anybody? If I am forgetting anybody, I apologize. It's not intentional. Small crew, though. Oh, Pete, from, Pete from, Origin. from Origin is coming out. We're going to be testing yes. out some of their new, I'm going to call it technical outerwear. Again, my word's not necessarily his in case I'm mischaracterizing that. You two are, of course, the only people who have not responded to the email with the request for your 100%. sizes. Yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> but, I just gave him this morning. But he uh, morning. he knows both of you and should know your sizes yeah. anyway, so that shouldn't be that big of an issue. Um, that's going to be fun. Yeah, we're going to do a jump into Moab, some light overlanding stuff. I'm using it as a chance to, again, just do a shit ton of podcasts, yeah. do some content stuff. Yeah. It should be good. I'll have, I'll have rock hard there. Yep. Who's that? My oh, yeah, yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. 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 He has the uh, squad. Yep. So that's a positive. Yes, we can look yeah, forward to that. Yeah, it's be, be fun. Look to that. It's be yeah. fun. Yeah. What else? Everybody gets to say one thing positive. Mine was Moab. Um, Even yours? though I didn't bring it up. Technically, Moab was his, but I just took it. Yeah, yeah it's fine. <laughs> you have anything? Uh, yeah. So I'm going out to the fights in Madison Square Garden next week. Who's fighting? Uh, or UFC. So whatever it is. Oh, badass. Yeah. So I'm going out there. That's going to be epic. Madison and Square Garden is in New York. York. Is yeah. there wow. any titles on the line? Well, who's the headliner of that fucker? Don't don't say that. Like I don't know, man. Like <laughs> okay, good. I don't follow that stuff cool. well enough. You'll be in the front like, row, not understanding what's going <laughs> and on. And then I, I get to go down. I'm going to cruise down to San Antonio. Uh, spend a few days down there. Going to go um, to kill Tony mm-hmm. with Joe. Yep. So that's going to be epic. Oh, like, that's going to be awesome, bro. Like yeah. So go right. to go to the uh, comedy mothership. And like, dude, that's uh, I'm not super super looking forward to that because I love Kill Tony. Like, it's fucking so amazing. Like, I can watch that shit for hours. Just like turn it on it's YouTube, good. watch it. Like, the guy's amazing, and it's like I do say like like all the things that are happening in our country right now. Like, I don't know if comedy has ever been better. It's like essential right now. Like I don't know if it's ever been better because like you've got guys like Joe mm-hmm. and Bill Burr. Yeah. Like Louis C.K.'s last special was 
fucking so good. Like it was just like off the fucking charts good. Um, and hopefully he Shane stopped Gillis, jerking, jerking off on people. Leo, you know, like, dude, yeah, this guy, like these guys are fucking epic, man. Like we're living in this time where it's like, you know, we get to go see the equivalent of like Carlin, right? And yeah. like we get to hang out with guys like Brian Callen. Like, how fucking lucky are we? It's like we get to get, hang out with these dudes that are at the top of their game. They're, you know, filling stadiums. They're packing coliseums, right? They're they're fucking amazing. So it's like. Comedy's never been better. I can't wait to get down there because it's like gonna be so much fun, man. Don't fuck this up. I was gonna say I close just, it I out on a pot. Yeah, no, okay, don't I, I fuck this up. So I'm going next uh, in a week and a half. I'm going to Bozeman, Montana for yeah. a, for the day. Clay Croft, who owns Expedition Overland, mm-hmm. has a new ranch, and we're going to survey it because we're going to use it to do some stuff. Including like mobility stuff, yeah, overland yeah. stuff, but we're gonna do a um, the first Phil Kraus survival expo there. Oh, nice! Which is like the survival, tactical, overlanding, and hunting in mm-hmm. one space, which I don't think we do very well because it's all divided. Yeah, right. And that same person who drives the Tacoma, he likes to hunt and he yeah. likes to shoot guns. We're gonna do all of that in one spot. So yeah, that's epic. And and Clay and his wife are amazing people. They're at Seaman right now, and they do a whole bunch of cool stuff for the overland community it's gonna be fun awesome i'm looking forward to it sweet well ending on a positive note the Thank only positive note of the show yeah. good job Sorry, yeah. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll do this in reverse let's yeah. do the podcast god 